On this first episode of Me, My Spouse and a Die, a husband and wife sit down to play a Dungeons and Dragons campaign one-on-one. Who is our fated hero? What adventures lie before her? And will the marriage survive past the first death saving throw? Welcome to Me, My Spouse and a Die. Welcome to me. That welcome sounded bad. I'm going to do that again. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Sorry. Now we're leaving it in. Um. <clears throat> welcome to me, my spouse, and to die. I am your resident dungeon master, Austin. And I'm Gwyneth, also a resident, but most importantly, I play Octavia Marguerite Sinclair. Uh, so we're going to come in right off the top and say that if you like what you hear in the next hour, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite uh, preferred podcast app. Uh, that's sort of a great way for us to get out there and get our name known and to spread the joy of D&D with as many people as we can. Uh, so the, the best way for us to grow is for you to do that and to tell all your friends. Uh, so please share us with your RPG group or anyone you think might be even tangentially interested in uh what we're about to do so yeah i think we're gonna i'm i'm gonna get into it i Alrighty. am very excited to be here today mm-hmm. uh, we've been building up to this for a few weeks now so i'm i mean ready. really i got my notes i mean it's been literally in the year and years in the making that we've been thinking about doing this so yes yes it is Man, banter is tough. Banter is really tough. All right, before we get started, I just want to say that all of our atmosphere and music are provided by a Sirenscape. So if you want to add the little something to your uh, your weekly game, check them out at Sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-Scape.com. Now let's get to it. So, Gwyneth. Yes, hello, Austin, my love, my husband. Are you... <laughs> <laughs> uh, are are you ready to play some Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition? You know what? I am more than ready to play some Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Uh do do you have your dice? I have multiple dice. Dices, dice I. <laughs> In fact. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm kind of nervous, but let's Don't let's be nervous. You've done this it. hundreds of times. I feel like I need a little bit more vodka, but I think <laughs> you can. We can take a pause, and no, you can. I'm good. Let's. Uh, let me just suck down the rest of this real quick. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now I'm ready. Okay. You are surrounded by complete and utter darkness. It's a blackness that's so complete and isolating that it almost overwhelms you, but. After a brief moment of panic, you hear the scratch of flint on steel and a spark jumps out of the abyss as you light the torch you find grasped firmly in your hand. The flames grow quickly from the spark outward, licking up the blackness and illuminating the room in which you stand. It is a wide, circular chamber. Cobblestones tile the floor coated with a layer of moss and muck. Uh, lichens cover the walls, accentuated by various growths of oddly colored fungus. 
The air is stale and damp like the fetid breath of a giant. But the room is dominated mostly by an imposing figure in its center. Directly in front of you is a statue. It is made of a single piece of carved marble veined with streaks of brilliant red hues, and it is carved in the shape of an enormous dragon's head. Its powerful jaws and eyes are closed, and each painstakingly carved scale glitters with the light from your torch. What do you do? Is there a door behind me? There is not a door behind you. In fact, you don't see any doors in this room. It is a circular room with a statue in the center. As you think about it, you can't remember exactly how you got here in the moment or where you are going. Hmm. How tall is the ceiling? Uh, Ten feet. Okay. How tall is the statue? Uh, It almost reaches to the ceiling. It's very large. And is it just a dragon's head? It's just a dragon's head on sort of a raised pedestal. Pedestal. And it's white marble with red veins? It is white marble with red veins. What am I wearing? Uh, You look to be wearing uh, leather armor at this point. Uh, You've got thick boots and, and gloves on your hand. And I don't know where I was coming from. You're not sure where you're coming from, you're not sure where you are going, but you have this statue in front of you. What do you do? I definitely approach it. You approach the statue. It does not move. But as as you get a little bit closer, you can see that while it's carved of a single piece, there do appear to be a separation in the jaws, almost as if it's hinged. Can I do, like, a a perception check or an investigation check? Uh, You look at the the statue, and on the nose of the statue, you find a scale that is slightly raised and sort of, uh, there's there's a a sort of border around it, much like a button. Not so much meant to be hidden as meant to be found. Oh. And and sorry, you said, how big is this room again? Like, 20 feet wide? Yeah, about... Hot dang. I push the button. You extend your gloved hand, and you push in the scale, and it presses with a soft click. And suddenly the entire chamber begins to quake. Uh, The floor beneath your feet begins to tremble, almost knocking you off balance, but you manage to stick to it. And as as, uh, you sort of regain your composure, the massive maw unhinges and opens up like a snake about to devour you, but Uh the room comes to rest. And you look at what has been revealed. Within the mouth of this dragon's head, lying gently upon its tongue, still carved of that same marble, is a sword. It is... What? The blade is made of uh, an ivory color, and it sits atop a fire-red hilt. It has a jagged, nearly serrated blade that gleams hungrily in the torchlight almost calling for you to make it as crimson as its handle. The hilt almost looks as if it's made of fire itself, and it takes on an iridescent quality as if the hues are constantly changing. In the center of the handguard of the sword is inset a giant ruby about the size of an egg, but it's perfectly spherical and gleaming of an otherworldly quality. 
and a sheath of similar coloring lies next to it. Do I get a sense that this weapon is evil, is celestial? Do I get any sort of like kind of that type of aura from it? Um, you don't necessarily get that sense, but it almost seems to be calling to you. Right, but does it seem to be calling in a like, you know, bad way or a good way? Does that make sense? You can't really tell. Okay. Morally ambiguous sword. <laughs> a morally ambiguous sword. Okay. Um, I pick it up. You pick up the sword. And, and as soon as your hand just uh, curls around the hilt, it feels right. Okay. Uh, it feels as if this sword were specifically made for you. Uh, you examine the blade, look at, at the, the sharpness, uh, but eventually your gaze is drawn to the hilt, uh, to the ruby inset into it. And as you, you stare deeply into it, you almost feel like the sword is staring back into you. What? Uh, but then, as you are looking at this ruby, you become confused. Because, in the almost mirror-like finish of the stone, you do not see a reflection of your face. What? It is not the face of the Asimar that you are used to, but instead... You see the jutting teeth and the green-tinged skin of an orc. What? And then you wake up. What? What? <laughs> you wake up. Uh, you are gasping for air. And as you come back to your senses, you remember that, that this is not the first time you've had this dream. And this is probably not the last time you've had this dream. It has come and gone from you in the past few years. Um, and in, in the intervening time, but lately you have had it more and more often. What? Judging from the, the moon and the stars outside your bedroom window, it looks to be very early in the morning. Mm. The night is punctuated by the pleasant pitter-patter of rain on your window. You know that your parents are asleep in a room across the hall from you, and you look over to see your sister, Celia, yes? Mm-hmm. She is still fast asleep uh, across the room from you. What do you do, Octavia? All right, Octavia, it's very early morning, right? It is very early morning. I doubt Octavia... I wouldn't be able to... She wouldn't be able to really go to back to sleep after that, especially with it being so close to probably having to get up and take care of the shop anyway. So Octavia is going to get up as quietly as she can to try not to wake Celia up. And okay. she's going to get dressed. And then she's going to go downstairs and start prepping the shop for that day. Okay. I mean, it's around 2 a.m. in the morning, so you know it'll still be several hours uh before anyone anyone is up and about. Is there anything in particular you would like to do? Uh, well, Octavia's favorite part of the shop has always been the mushroom corner. And so she is going to take special inventory of all the all the shrooms that are there, um, see what needs um, to be replenished, um, kind of making a list of the stock that either needs to be purchased or procured in some manner. Um, she'll also most likely, you know, make something for herself to eat. Um, but even if it's two or so in the morning, I anticipate the shop, you know, opens around six because uh, 
you know, uh, shopkeepers wake early and then her parents will probably be up around, you know, four to to really start the day. Tell me a little bit about this shop. What what is it? What is it called? What does it look like? Yeah, so the the shop is a shop of herbs and alchemical components that can be found in nature. Its name is The Mushroom Cloud, which Octavia had a hand in helping her parents decide upon. And in it, per- people can purchase, uh, you know, items for poultices, etc., te- for uh, teas... Um, any kind of those healing herbs, as well as some more exotic herbs and components for potentially even spells and or potions. Yeah, so at this current juncture in time, uh, the Mushroom Cloud is still relatively a new establishment. Um, You recently moved here uh, with your parents. Uh, Current day, you are about in your early teens. So what what what's your exact role in in this store? What do you do? So Octavia is is not the oldest child um, of Marguerite and Armand, her parents, but her older brother Antony is in his older teens, and so he has made the decision to join the Lake Ansel militia, and so he is now not living at home he's living you know in the garrison training etc so she she's kind of taken the responsibility as the oldest child um you know she does a lot of the grunt work moving you know moving boxes and helping her parents as she can uh you know assisting with customers in the busy hours um kind of you know all of the all of the things that go into children helping out with a family business sounds good mm-hmm Thank you. Uh, so you you set about doing these tasks throughout uh, this early morning, and and she's uh, she's you, kind of doing it. She likes not wanting to dwell on this dream. She's trying to do it in a way to to take her mind off of it, and the best way that she knows how to kind of keep her mind occupied with other things is to is to do you know to do the work you know, the work of the day and to kind of keep busy so that her mind can't dwell on what she just saw. Mm-hmm. Sure. That makes sense. Um, so you you go about doing these tasks for the next several hours. Everything is very organized by the time the rest of your family wakes up. Your parents come down in a few hours and, and they see that you have... Uh, have been up and and doing things and they don't make much of a mention of it but go about getting the the shop ready for opening and so morning rises on the quiet lakeside town of lake ansel lake ansel just as some exposition uh lake (laughs) ansel (laughs) is widely known around the land of moir as it's sort of a resort town Uh, so it's the home to lavish hotels venues restaurants all manner of recreational places and activities. Uh, so this quaint little getaway is the favorite vacation spot of nobles and the, the rich and powerful across the land who are drawn to it by its uh, its gorgeous natural vistas, its luxurious accommodations, and its beautiful beaches along the lake. Uh, it was originally founded as a settlement of healers, mostly uh, followers of the god Al-Absalon. Uh, but out over the years, it expanded from being 
uh, renowned as a top tier sort of medical establishment to that, that healing magic sort of, uh, blossomed into not only healing, but more therapeutic and recreational things. And as such, many of the permanent residents of this place are uh, clerics and followers of Absalon, uh, who specialize in these types of magics. Uh, but the rest of the, the city mainly consists of shopkeepers, proprietors of the businesses, hotels, and restaurants that it contains. And there is constantly an influx and outflux of visitors and tourists and such. And so among these live your family, this family of herbalists and alchemists, uh, the Sinclair family, mm-hmm. who, as as the timeline stands, made your home in Lake Ansel about a year ago. So you reside on the outskirts of town in more of the trade district in a humble cottage whose bottom floor serves as the storefront for the Mushroom Cloud, your herbalism shop. So, as the morning begins to wake up and the town begins to come alive with activity, uh, you may take this opportunity to describe your character. So, Octavia Marguerite Sinclair, um, she is an Asimar, and as an Asimar, she has some celestial kind of elements in her DNA, though she has human parents and human siblings there are elements of the celestial that are just innate in her being. And as such, um, she has no pupils, but her eyes, while she has the whites to her eyes, her blue, electric blue irises are just solid disks of color in the whiteness of her eyes. As well, her curly black hair is kind of constantly moving as though there's there's always some sort of breeze around her. Even it could be in the stillness of a shut tight room. Her hair is always just kind of constantly, constantly moving as though there are spirits whispering to her about her ears. Uh, she has olivish skin and she is the second born of the Sinclair family. Um. So as, as you and your family are going about preparing the shop for customers, uh, your sister Celia approaches you. And I'm a, she, she, she approaches you, mm-hmm. and she walks up to you, and she says, she sort of has a yawn in her voice, she says, Octavia, I, I heard you rolling around again last night. Were you dreaming again? Oh, uh, don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about it, Celia. Occasionally, as you grow older, you will you will also dream, and some dreams will be wonderful, and some dreams you will be happy to wake from, and that is that is just such as life. So, so have no worries about it. You're very wise for a thirteen year old. Um, oh, that's true. I am thirteen. I do forget <laughs> that sometimes. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, she says, I. Uh, look, I I don't know what you were dreaming about, but my friend Orin over at the temple says that repeated dreams are usually omens, and I'm telling you, you should go, you should go tell him about it. He's great at interpreting dreams. Maybe I will. What what was your friend's name again? His name's Orin. I've told you about him like a hundred times. Ah, uh, I, I I am sorry. I am so sorry <laughs> to not remember. But you have so many friends. You are you are more popular than all of us put together, my dear. So I so. Uh, I I could not quite remember which one he was. So what what did you dream about? Uh, Octavia pauses. Um, 
and is definitely unsure of whether or not to tell the truth to her sister. Um, and so she kind of says half truths and I dreamt of, of fantastic things and dragons that were both terrifying and beautiful at the same time. Well, that's pretty vague, sis, but if you don't want to tell me about it, that's fine. Just... <laughs> You're very astute for a nine-year-old. <laughs> wow. Hey, nine-year-olds are precocious, right? That's true. Um, <laughs> says, well, I just hope it's a good omen. We could use a good omen. Um, and, and as she's saying this, uh, you hear your father call out from sort of behind the, the counter in, in the back of the story. He says, Celia, his roots aren't going to sort and dry themselves. And she says, yes, father. And, uh, she, she scampers <laughs> off to, uh, go help. Um, so as you continue stocking the shelves and organizing, uh, the, the things that you hadn't organized during the night before, mm -hmm. uh, you hear the bell above the door ring to admit a customer. And you see a man enter. He's a human man dressed in a clean white tunic that is indicative of an acolyte of the Temple of Al-Absalon. Mm -hmm. And he enters and strides toward the back counter, uh, not hesitating and has very sort of an official air about him. Uh -huh. um, yes. Uh, your mother and father are <laughs> standing back there tending to the things behind the counter and, and uh, you know, sort of tidying things up. And this man strides up and begins having a, a quiet sort of murmured conversation with them that lasts for a few minutes, mm -hmm. uh, after which the man hands your father a folded piece of paper. Hmm. And then he turns and just as briskly walks right out the door to another ding ling ling of the doorbell. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, your father takes the takes the note and he disappears into the back of the store, and you can sort of uh, hear him rummaging through through your stock in the back. And then after a few more moments, he appears again and calls out, Octavia! Coming! And she, you know, runs up to him. Okay, uh, you approach your father. Uh, he's relatively tall. He's got sort of a lean, spindly build, and his face and hands are weathered from the many days you guys spent foraging out in the wilderness mm -hmm. uh, in all kinds of weather, and with a shortcut whiting beard uh, across the bottom half of his face. And he hands you the slip of paper as you draw near. I, this is Octavia. Uh, no, go ahead. I just was going to say, I was going to ask him, who, who was that? What exactly did he want? Uh, the, the man who was just in, yes. Uh, he, he's an assistant to the high priestess Beatrice of the Order of Absalon. Uh, it appears she has grown ill over the past several days, and the oh. other healers of the temple are, are not able to help with, with the ailment. Uh, their, their powers, apparently, have done nothing. Oh. Uh, and thus, they have resorted to, well, us. Us? Um, after after all of the healers of the temple couldn't do anything? Well, sometimes the uh, the divine magic even has its limits, and sometimes you can't beat a good old-fashioned natural remedy. Oh, uh, that is true. I have a, a particular ointment in mind, but uh, one of the ingredients is in short supply. Uh, caps of the Dusk Shroom, mm. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with it. She nods knowingly. <laughs> of course. <laughs> He says, your mother and I have to mind the shop, and, and Celia has to sort and dry those roots, but uh, I was hoping that you could make the trip and collect some for us. It shouldn't be a problem for one so connected to nature as yourself. 
uh, uh, Octavia nods and says, of course, uh, anything to anything for you and mother, uh, I will be obviously more than happy to to do so. Mm, we appreciate it. I've I'm, I've seen them in the coves by the Ansel Bluffs, but uh, I'm, I'm sure you could start there and, and find some. But please do do be quick if we can. Make an impact in healing the High Priestess, it could be a huge boon for this business, and goodness knows we could use it. She nods. Uh, yeah, he, he hands you the paper, which, it doesn't have much, it just sort of describes, you know, the the High Priestess is sick, and we need you guys to help. And so he's written on it, Dusk Shroom, uh, which okay. you know is a type of mushroom with sort of dusky black caps. Okay. Um. What do you do? I will probably I'll write down where I'll write down how many my dad thinks that I need exactly where he thinks that I should go um and we'll start to all you know I'm sure he knows more than I do about um the shroom as he's been been in this business longer than I um <laughs> and you know it, do I need to gather it by the full moon's light or you know kind of any of those <laughs> kind of uh you know more obscure things about it and I write all those things down and I will put a pack together with you know a shovel a little trowel um a couple little containers to put the put the fungi in that are you know hard containers so it doesn't get um they don't get crushed in my backpack mm-hmm. um and we'll you know gather some food get some cheese and some bread because i'm not sure exactly how long it will take me and i will then probably set out okay yeah he he mentioned that uh, you could find them in the coves by the ansel bluffs ansel so bluffs. i'll where you are right now, Lake Ansel is on the the city of Lake Ansel is situated on the shore of Lake Ansel, mm-hmm. uh, which is really? sort of formed. Yeah, crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of it's formed in the lowlands of um, sort of the hilly region after the the mountain range from the runoff from the mountain range Absalon's Tail, which sort of bisects the continent of. Uh, of Moir. Mm-hmm. And so in the sort of eastern portion of the lake, there are, it, it rises up into some bluffs and mm, some cliffs and mm-hmm. some crags. And you know, there are some, uh, caves and inlets and, and crags and coves that, uh, certain things like to live or grow in around that, that way. It's probably an hour or so outside of the town. Okay. By foot, I'm assuming. You do not have a horse. Okay. Well, um, assuming that Octavia, even though she and her family have only lived there for about a year, assuming that she's kind of familiar with the way, um, she will let her family know that she's headed out and tell them that she uh, intends to be home by dark and then we'll set out. Sounds good. So you start to head out of town so you wander down uh the the streets past the grand hotels along the shoreline past the the restaurants and the activities you pass do i see any celebrities uh you don't see any celebrities but you you see people i mean there is no visual media in (laughs) in this land so it's not a famous bard i see him in the movies um but no, you, you see plenty of tourists wandering around, uh, getting their beach chairs and their towels and stuff. Um, 
people f- fancily dressed going out to brunch or, or what have you. Um, and you head towards the east side of town where uh, okay. there is a gate. And as you uh, approach the gate and exit through it, you notice that your brother Anthony mm-hmm. is stationed at um, at that gate. He's sort of on top of there's a wall surrounding the city and he's stationed on top of it, uh, looking out, keeping watch over uh, the the surrounding lands. Octavia will turn and, and wave to him, but she won't call out because um, she knows that Antony takes his, his posts very seriously and doesn't has expressed uh, dissatisfaction with the family coming over and being like, oh my gosh, you're doing such a good job being a guard. Look at you. Look at how big you look in your armor. So she'll wave, but she won't call out to him. Ah. Okay, yeah, he he looks at you and he sort of just nods uh, dutifully, but Mm -hmm. continues staring out. Um, So you make your way east. Okay. Toward the the bluffs on the east side of the lake, towards a small uh, inlet along the beach, um, you can see far in the distance uh, the peaks of the mountain range, Absalon's tail, um, stretching almost impossibly high into the sky, even though you're still miles and miles and miles away from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, these monoliths watch over you as you skirt around the lake, and the fine sand of the beach where Lake Ansel is situated uh, eventually gives way to more pebbles and stones and just uh, rockier terrain as the shoreline continues. And eventually, after an hour or so of, uh, of travel... You begin to see the bluffs that your father had mentioned, and they they steadily rise and rise in inclination until they reach high above you, uh, and these jagged rocks sprout from the damp earth as the water laps up onto the beach near your feet. What you do? Cool. Do I know um, kind of the environment that these mushrooms grow in? Like, I know that truffles grow at the base of trees. Do I know that these mushrooms grow on alongside lily pads? You know, that what what is the environment that I would be looking for to see where they're growing? Um, so these typically uh, enjoy damp areas, okay. which is why they're found. Uh, unlike, you know, you don't t- typically think of mushrooms when you think of the shoreline, but these are a special sort of breed. They grow uh, near near the shorelines. They like damp. They like more darkness. Okay. Uh, so, looking for sort of rocky in-croppings or, or some sort of inlets or cavey like things along the bluffs. Okay. So, no, you know, having this having this knowledge either um, from learning it herself or having her mm-hmm. mother or father having taught it to her, she will start looking around, um, you know, some of these smaller caves that are maybe in these bluffs or, you know, th- those rocky outcroppings and having, you know, she's okay climbing a little bit higher if that's, um, you know, kind of up on the bluffs, if there's kind of a, an incline to try to find them. Okay. Um, you can do your first uh, roll of the game yeah! and you can either roll me a I'll say a nature check or a perception check. I am going to roll a perception check because my nature is really Actually actually bad. scratch that. Make that a survival check or a perception check. Uh survival or perception? 
Yes. It is still going to be perception because that okay. I am proficient in perception. All right. Ooh, Roll them bones. That's still uh-huh. not great. That is just a 14. A 14. Okay. Um. So you, it takes you longer than you would expect. Okay. But after a while of searching, you eventually uh, travel farther and farther up along these bluffs until you finally find uh, sort of a, a sort of crack in the rock mm-hmm. that seems to lead inward into a small cave like indentation okay um is, do i find any in the, the mouth of this indentation uh you do not find any in the mouth but you know they would probably be further in where it is darker and okay well i will proceed cautiously then further on into into this cave do you have dark vision i do i cannot remember okay perfect uh so you Squeeze your way into this cave. The opening is relatively small. Okay. Um, and the cave, even inside, is also relatively small. Maybe about 10 or so feet deep. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a small... Yeah, it's it's not like a... Like a humongous cavern. cave system. Okay. It's just sort of like a little hole in the wall. Okay. We should set um, up so- a, a little hot dog shop here. <laughs> <laughs> literal hole in the wall. <laughs> Homemade pasta. Um... You you find a small pool of water in the center okay. of it, uh, and along the walls you can see they're covered in sort of a yellow mold. Okay. On the back wall, you do your eyes spot a clump of dark fungus, fungi. Well, I will kind of look around to make sure it's not super slippery, because I'm sure it's kind of slick on the floor here and mm-hmm. i'll proceed kind of you know cautiously over to examine the mushrooms okay oh give me one yeah it's always dangerous when the dm is like okay just give me a second roll a nature check for a druid my nature is terrible <laughs> that is 14 again a 14. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You are vaguely familiar with the yellow mold that is covering the walls. Okay. In fact, it is just called yellow mold. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Do I start sneezing? Am I allergic? Uh, you know it is not great to to disturb, and that sort of touching it oh. uh, releases a bunch of spores, oh. which could would, would not be good for you. Oh, uh, okay. So you... you are aware that the floor is very slippery, uh, so as you try to skirt yourself in, uh, I'm going to need you to make a dexterity check to see if you can wade your way through this slick rock without disturbing any of the yellow mold All right. on the walls Now, is this next a to you. dexterity saving throw? Or... No, just a, just a check. Okay. <laughs> well, that is a grand old five! Well, that's not great. Uh, um, okay. So you are walking, sort of sloshing through this water, and you've got sort of your arms out to try to keep your balance, and uh, you your foot just hits a very slick stone oh. and uh, sends you falling, and your hand brushes the yellow mold on the wall. Oh, no. And so I'm going to need you to make a constitution saving throw. Saving throw? throw? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use that die again. Okay, that's a 16. A 16. 
All right. No. Uh, the, the spores puff out at you, but you manage to uh, sort of cough them away, and you are not affected oh, by this. But you are prone and wet. Okay. Lying in this pool of water. Oh my gosh. Octavia is already tired with having gotten less sleep than she wanted and is not having a great time being muddy <laughs> in this pool of water, to say the least. Okay. So she will pick herself up, and since she's already wet and fallen mm -hmm. once, she is literally just going to crawl through the rest of this pool of water to get to those stupid mushrooms. <laughs> I'm like, I'm already wet! Like, what's... I, at least I won't fall again, hopefully. I mean... <laughs> Okay, uh, you crawl through this pool, sloshing logs, slosh, 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 and uh, yeah, you, you get to the other side and you manage not to disturb any more of the yellow mold. Uh, this clump of rich black fungus uh, is sort of coming out of, it's clinging to the wall in front of you mm -hmm. a few feet off the ground, jutting out of these this rocky escarpment. Um... What what do you do? Do you grab them? Uh, I have. They are surrounded by mold. yellow mold. Okay. Um. So Octavia is going to sit on her haunches and kind of unpack a couple. So does this pool go all the way up to the wall, or is there like a little muddy? There's a little bit of a muddy sort of uh, bank okay. around it. She's going to put her backpack down and get out her little trowel. Um, mm -hmm. And she's going to get out basically fantasy Tupperware that she's going to put the mushrooms <laughs> into. Um, and going to have those kind of at the ready. And she is going to very carefully with her trowel um, dig, not even cutting the mushrooms, but digging the mushrooms out, even with some of the dirt to try to keep them as fresh as possible for as long as possible and try to kind of dig them out very carefully from around the yellow mold. Okay. Um, give me one more dexterity check. Sure. Please. That is a 10. That is a 10? Yep. Uh, that is good enough. Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> So you managed to pluck, uh, as as many of the uh, as many of the mushroom caps as you can, well, as many of the mushrooms as you can, and place them in your little uh, jars and and containers, and get them back into your pack. Is it enough? Is it the, a sufficient quantity? Yes, do you yes. Think? You, okay. you know there is. Your father does not need much uh, for what he is doing, okay. and you have found plenty. Oh, good. So we could even sell more of these, which is great. You might you might have a little bit of an excess. Oh, nice. Okay. What is your plan? All right. Well, she is going to very carefully again, you know, screw the lids onto her mason jars and put the lids on her Tupperware, um, you know, making sure to burp them so that there's as little air in them as possible and, you know, pack them very <laughs> carefully back into her into her backpack. And, and this this pack is, you know, been specifically made for uh, made for finding herbs and other things. So there are special compartments that keep things from jiggling around there are lots of pockets um and she'll clean her trowel off um put it back in her pack and she'll probably maybe not on hands and knees this time but maybe at least on her knees uh try to exit this cave as nimbly as possibly without trying to fall again okay 
Um, if you're just going on your hands and knees, then yep, I will say you can make it okay. out of the cave. But actually, as you are as you are crawling, you've made it about halfway across the cave when you hear something coming from outside of it. Oh, well, that's not good. You hear voices. Oh, two voices approaching, and they say, uh, "Well, one of them says, I thought I saw something coming in here. I swear." And the other one says, "You better have." I'm sick of your imagination getting me into trouble. And the first one says, I promise, I promise, this ain't like last time, come on. And, uh, yeah, you you don't know exactly what, what they are yet, but they are rapidly approaching. What do you do? Uh, do they sound aggressive? That sounded pretty um, aggressive to me. I, I will let you interpret what it sounded like. Um, uh... Octavia is going to crawl over. Is there a small embankment all around this pool and all kind of sides of the pool? A little bit of one. Okay, she is going to crawl as quickly as she can over to an embankment, and she's going to turn into a little spider and just crawl onto the embankment and hide behind a pebble. Okay. Um, You are a spider. You are hiding behind a pebble. Yes. And... A few seconds after you do this uh, wild shaping, <laughs> you see enter. Uh, I'm a the, poisonous the... spider too, so I'm like I'm tiny, but I'm vicious. Do spider? I don't know if spiders have dark vision, but we'll say they do just for the sake of. Oh, the... I actually, I do not know actually. Just for the sake of it, um, you see three figures oh. sort of come into view outside, and uh, from from what you can tell, they are short. And they look to be two goblins and a kobold. Oh my gosh. And they've all got swords in their hands and they sort of, one of them pushes into the cave and he's looking around, looking around. And they don't see anything because there's nothing to see. Mm-hmm, except a little spider behind a pebble. <laughs> and And one of them says... See, I told you, there's nothing in here. We're supposed to be scouting. What are you doing? We can't waste time like this. And the first one says, I, I swear I saw something in here. Um, and uh, they, they, the first one starts walking forward, sloshing uh, through the, the pool of water and walks up to right where you had been standing and he's maybe a foot or two away from squishing you. Oh my gosh. Uh, looking, looking, and actually, uh, but he doesn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Doesn't see anything. And after a few minutes, turns around, he says, I could have sworn I saw something. And uh, he begins to slosh his way back across the cave toward toward the exit. Um, and he he pushes his way out of the cave again and joins his two other companions, and they begin to they they leave. Oh. But they're heading in the direction that you had come from. Okay. Well, I guess I don't. I wouldn't actually know that. Well, I mean, you you see them start moving. There's sort of two directions down the shoreline okay. towards the city and away from the city. So they're heading they start heading towards, towards the, the city. city. Yes. Okay. Woo. Um. 
How many wild shapes per day do you have right now? Two. Two. Okay. Um, so you're a spider. I am currently a small, tiny spider. Not even a cool, giant spider. What kind of spider are you? What do you look like? I'm just a little, just a little daddy long legs. Which Aww. is technically not a spider. Um, well, close enough. Just one of those little harmless ones. You know, not not the ones that make people shriek when they see them in the shower. Just a kind of like, oh, hi, little spider. Just a little tiny one. Just a little buddy. Just your little Aww. buddy spider friend. Just a friendly neighborhood spider. <laughs> spider spider. Um, I am going to... I, I, I probably can't move very quickly when I'm such a small spider, but I am going... You cannot. You move very slowly. Okay, I am going to... How slowly can it move? Oh, I mean, as fast as a spider okay. can move. It takes you a couple, probably like a solid minute or so to get out of the cave if that's where you're going. Um, I will... Uh, unwild shape, and I will creep to the edge of the cave. Okay. Um, and then... Are you creeping or are you crawling? I guess, again, I'm soaked, so I might as well literally crawl, which would be slower. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you crawl your way to the edge. And? And, and, and I, I look left and I look right, and I see that they're heading back to Lake Ansel, the city. Yes, you see three figures uh, moving away from you towards Lake Ansel. Okay. So, so they are fully armed, and they have like they have their weapons in hand. Yes. Does it seem like they're going to like attack Lake Ansel or what? Um, you you don't know what their intentions are. Okay. Though you did hear one say that they were supposed scouting, to be scouting. And I just don't know what for. Two goblins and a kobold, huh? Mm-hmm. What do you do? I am going to uh, leap to my feet once I get to solid ground. Okay. And I am going to... Can I, I gonna like run okay. uh, 30 feet? Okay. And then I'm gonna jump up into the air and from my back, two incorporeal wings will sprout. And okay. I am going to fly over the heads of the two goblins and kobolds, well, the two goblins and the one kobold back to Lake Ansel. Okay, you are not trying to be subtle about nope. this, huh? <laughs> okay, uh, as as you do this, you leap up, and what kind of wings? What do your wings look like? So it is they're they kind of look like traditional feathery bird wings. Um, they're maybe not as as large as the stereotypical like angel with wings looks like, and they're kind of. Um, uh, there's a, a style of art right now where, like, a lot of masks are, like, 3D printed and they're kind of, like, dimensional. Mm -hmm. um, geometric. Yeah, they're, they're very geometric. Um, you see that a lot with, like, 3D printed, like, animals and they're geometric. That's, ki that's kind of also what they look like. Okay. Uh, you launch yourself into the air and these wings poof, 
sprout from your back and you go soaring high into the sky. I, First of all, how long do these last? They last a minute. A minute. Oh, okay. That's not very no. long. <laughs> no, but uh, it, it will still get me further than that is true. I would have um, walking and then I don't have to deal with them. But I want, I specifically want them to know that I saw them so that they know that their scouting mission is kaput. Okay, uh, you launch into the air, and, um, alright, how are we gonna do this? As you crest over them, you see one of the goblins look up, and he points, and he, you can hear him faintly say from the ground, he says, I told you I saw something! Shoot it down! Um, and they, they sheathe their swords, and they pull off little short bows from their back, and unless you are, uh, what's your fly speed? 30 feet. 30 feet. They weren't that far. So, um, I will say they have one shot where you are within their range. Okay. Before you get outside of their range. Uh, so two arrows come whizzing up at you. Do I have a, an action or anything prior to them hitting me? Um, I mean, you, what 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 do you want to do? I was just going to cast Bark Skin on myself. Um, I mean, we can roll initiative if you'd like me to. I mean, I, she's specifically not wanting to fight them. So if anything, she would be flying like evasive maneuvers. More than she would be wanting to like cast at anything. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll these, okay. and we're gonna see what happens. Okay. Have very good. Um. <laughs> oh. I don't I don't um, know if I that's rolled... like a good la- like a good for me laugh or a good for you laugh. <laughs> well, I rolled two d20 because there are two goblins firing uh-huh. at you. The kobold is just sort of like um. And one of them is a natural 10. Okay. So that comes to a 14 to hit. That is a, which I think miss. Is a miss. And the other one is a natural 20. Oh, no! Already? So bark skin would not even ah, help you. So glad uh, I didn't you waste are this going, You are going to take. Oh, hot oh wow. Dang. You want to you know what I rolled on my 2d6s? What? Two, s- two points of damage. So ah, you take four total. You take four eyes. total points of damage. One, two, uh, so four. one of the arrows whew, goes sailing past you pretty close, but not not close yeah. enough. And the other one just whoosh, embeds itself. Uh, your wings are incorporeal, correct. correct? Okay, it embeds itself in uh, your shoulder, and it just goes like oh. straight through. Oh. Um, and it it hurts pretty bad. Yikes. Um. So your wings last for a minute. Correct. So you can, uh, yeah, you you can you can get a bit farther than them. But as uh, as you soar past them, you see them begin to sort of jog rather than just walk at a leisurely pace uh, towards the city. And they're still sort of like trying to pulling arrows out of their quivers and flinging them in your general direction. But uh, you soar up and out of range, and they just go sailing harmlessly by. Okay, so I'm just gonna, so with my fly speed being 30 feet, can I, and we're not really in initiative though, but can I do like some sort of dash? 
type of thing? So typically, in, in this, if we were in combat, you could uh, take the dash action and the move action, so you could move double your speed. So yeah, we're we're just saying you're you're moving as fast as yeah. you can with no no sort of uh, need for for any sort of combat maneuver. Okay. So you are just 100 percent focused on Correct. getting there as fast as possible. Yeah. So how far do I get in that minute? Since it does not last very long. Well, 60 feet times 10 rounds to so 600 feet, I guess. Okay. Um, so not, not, not honestly that far. So, uh, But you you managed to uh, glide down in front of the... With, with a fair bit of distance between you and the goblins and the kobold. And so as you are coming down, okay. uh, sort of gliding down, you know that your wings are about to... The, the minute is almost up and, mm-hmm. and you can feel the magic sort of fading from you as you are gliding down. Um, roll a perception check. Okay. Oh, come on. That was a natural two uh, for a grand total total of seven. Seven? Well, the good news is this was not a hard check. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) I basically wanted to make sure you didn't critically fail. Uh, I Um, was just about as close (laughs) close as you could without actually crit failing. Uh, so as you you have soared up above these bluffs into the sky and are making your way down toward of the towards the hilly land between the mountains and you can see Lake Ansel on the horizon, uh, you look back briefly. Okay. And you think you get an idea of where these goblins and these kobolds came from. Oh. Because as you look towards the mountains, you can see something. Uh, coming over that, and and you can almost feel sort of vibrations coming through the air because a large dark mass is beginning to rise and crest over the rolling hills of the plains before Lake Ansel, and it takes you a minute because you're, uh, well, not a a minute, a a figurative (laughs) minute, not a literal minute, uh, to discern (laughs) what it is. Uh, but this vast expanse that is covering the hills is composed of creatures, great and small, what? marching toward the city of Lake Ansel. And as they come into view, you begin to hear uh, far away but sort of muffled, gruff voices shouting war chants. And on the horizon, you can see blood-red banners cresting the hill. You know, this is an army. You're not sure what entirely it's made of, of where it came from, but you do know that they are heading straight toward your home, Lake Ansel. And we will find out what happens on the next episode. Ah, oh my gosh, why would you stop it there? <laughs> well, because it's been 58 minutes since we started. Ah, I to keep going. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. The best way for us to grow and reach more people like you is for you to share us with your friends. So please tell your RPG group about us or any of your nerdy friends you think might be interested. If you want to get in touch with us, please shoot us an email at me, my spouse, and a die at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from y'all, and we always try to respond to each message we get. Oh, and we also want to thank Sirenscape for the amazing atmosphere and music. Make sure you check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N escape.com thank you so much for listening to the first episode of me my spouse and a die